Good evening, everyone. Welcome to today's book review. Happy Sunday. I was church today. I believe we were able to go to church. So um, we we were able to do just one chapter last week Sunday. We'll be doing the remaining chapters by the grace of God today. It's going to be a pretty long ride, so I enjoy you to tighten your seatbelt and um, look forward to it. I trust that you'll be blessed. Chapter 2. Understanding our place in Him. So last week, we treated just chapter 1, understanding the new birth, and we learned some major truths about God's word concerning our new birth. Like I said last week, the whole chapters of this book dealt with us understanding some major truths about God's word. The first paragraph of almost all the chapters tells us that if there's a fight to fit, then there are enemies to fit or hindrances to fit. Of course, you only fight when you have enemies, and our major enemy is ignorance or lack of knowledge of what God says about us. So one of the things I have learned from this book is that if we are able to perfectly understand God's word and apply it to our life, then we will really be living the, like gods on the earth. Life will be easy for us, and we will stop all the complaints that are not necessary. God's word is sufficient for us. God's word is all that we need. We don't even need to have any inner feeling or weakness, as the writer puts it. So straight ahead to chapter 2, understanding our place in him. The scriptural reference here is Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Like I said, lack of knowledge of God's word is our greatest enemy or hindrance to faith. So according to the writer, if faith comes by hearing God's word, then it follows that a lack of hearing and understanding God's word produces a lack of faith. We don't need to pray to have faith. The Bible did not say faith comes by prayer. It says faith comes by hearing God's word. So if you have God to give you faith, then you are dealing with the problem wrongly. Your solution to your lack of faith is to hear and keep hearing God's word. Reviewing the new birth. The text here is 2 Corinthians 5.17, one very popular verse that we know. The writer reminded us of instances he gave in chapter 1 of people who lacked faith to receive healing or other provisions from God because they felt unworthy that they lived terrible lives before they got saved. So they felt even though they are saved, healing or other provisions of God were not available to them. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 makes it clear that we have no past before God when we are born again. We are just like newborn babes in the physical without past. Isaiah 43.25 is another scriptural reference here. The same way God sees a new convert as a new creature without a past is the same way the believer ought to see himself. If God sees you as a new creature, you too should see yourself as same, having no past and entitled to all the provisions in Christ Jesus. He gave a story of a lawyer who lost everything at age 34 because he was an alcoholic and how that the man became born again at age 64. The man, in relating his story, suddenly compared himself with a 13-year-old girl who had never made any commitments to God. He felt the girl was cleaner than him. But the pastor quickly corrected him that he is cleaner than the girl if she is not born again. The man said something striking, that God can deliver anybody no matter how deeply into sin the person might have gone. And in God's sight, that person will still fit into 2 Corinthians 5.17 as a new creature. 
From that man's story, we see that God does not see things like men. God sees the inner parts of man while we see the outward appearance and then judge based on that outward appearance. So persons may be used by God not because that person has one or two weaknesses. We quickly judge and think God should have used someone else who in our eyes may be more saintly. But God, like the writer said in his story, doesn't consider the outward appearance before he uses anybody. Spiritual sins are more deadly than physical sins. So you may have one or two mistakes, but as far as your spirit is right with God, God can still use you notwithstanding. Alright, so if you know you have judged people based on their outward mistakes and you felt God cannot and should not use them, say hi in your mind. <laughs> and please, if you have not repented from such, you should do so. The anchor word here is God does not consider the outward appearance as we do. It looks more at the inside. Test reference here is Matthew 7 1. Judge not that ye may not be judged. The writer said, When you get born again, you might have sin's car left on your body. But praise God, the body is not you. 1 Corinthians 9 27. The body is only a house that you live in. Man is a spirit living in a body. Take, for instance, a tin of milo. The tin, of, the tin is not a milo, right? It is just a container for the milo to stay in. So it, so it is with our human body. So you may have sin scar on your body, but there are no sin scar left on the real you, which is your spirit. I hope you got that. When God looks at you, he looks at a new man in Christ. And praise God, the writer said, we, looks a, we look a lot better in Christ than we do out of him. A lack of understanding of our place in him and his place in us is the reason for unbelief in our Christian work. The writer is suggesting for us how to study the scripture, majorly the epistles. The writer said the epistles are the letters written to us, the believers. He said no one could ever be a successful Christian and live only in the four Gospels. He said by reading just the four Gospels, we may not know more than the apostles did. Even though the apostles were with Jesus every day for three years, they still couldn't know why he died. Acts 1.6 is the reference here. Another reference here uh, other references here are John twenty eight to nine, John nineteen, thirty-nine to forty-two. The writer explained the apostles' attitude to Jesus' resurrection to further portray the fact that mere reading of the four gospels alone may not give you full understanding of Jesus' death. The gospels have to do with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is in the epistles we learn why Jesus died. Test reference here is Galatians 1, 11 to 12. Reading the epistles will help us understand the four Gospels more. The writer encourages us to spend our time on, in the epistles. This doesn't mean you won't read other parts of the Bible, but spend most of your time in the epistles. Okay, so he's giving us a guideline to study our Bible, especially the epistles. He said, as you read through the Bible, as you read through the epistles, underline with a red pencil expressions such as in Christ, by Christ, in whom, and in Him. He said we will find more than 140 of them. He said some of them don't state your benefits or privileges in Christ. For example, Paul's greetings. But we should carefully take note of those expressions that tell us our benefits or privileges in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 is an example. He said we should write these scriptures down. 
meditate on them and begin to confess them. This is who I am in Christ. This is what I am in Christ and this is what I have in Christ. Faith confessions create reality. Or simply put, your confessions are your reality. Alright, this is an assignment for all of us this year. I believe it can run through the whole year. If you are going to practice this, say I will in the comment section. And we can also challenge ourselves in this area by following up on each other to see how well we do it. And we can as well post our confessions on the WhatsApp group. Of course, all these are subject to the admin's approval. I believe this will boost our faith though in no small way and also drive out, drive out laziness. As far as God is concerned, everything we have and everything we are in Christ, God has already made provision for us. But it is our believing and confessing who we are in Christ and what we have in Him that will make them read to us. The promises and provisions of God's word will not do you any good until they become read to you. Men knowing they exist is not enough, but we have to come to that level where we personally appropriate God's promises for ourselves and put them to work by our confession before they can benefit us. God wants us to know, enjoy, and experience the reality of all that he has provided for us. In him we have redemption, Hebrews 9.12. This tells us that our salvation was provided in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He said when we think someone got saved last night or just now, he said from God's viewpoint, God didn't just save the person last night or now. He saved that person when Jesus was raised from the dead. That person only just accepted the sight for him at the cross. Redemption becomes real to you the moment you accept the provision of salvation. Believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth is the way Bible truths become real to us. Romans 10, 9-10 Our confections are our realities. He said by the time we begin to confess all that we have and all and are in Christ, it may not seem real to us, but if you continue confessing them, the scriptures will become real to you. Every of God's provision for us is already real in the spirit realm, but it has to become real to us in the physical realm for our enjoyment. Given an example of a blind lady who was healed in one of his meetings, the writer said God has made provision for her healing 2,000 years ago when Christ died, but that she only accepted her healing at that service. That God didn't heal her at that meeting. God healed her 2,000 years ago, even though she was still living in blindness. The scriptural reference here is Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. This scripture tells us that we were healed by his stripes, not that we are going to be healed, but it is something that happened in the past. He said getting people to believe these scriptures in their hearts and with their mouths is the simplest way to get people healed. He said this will work when nothing else will. God's word always works. The writer gave us testimonies of people who got healed by just reading, understanding and confessing 1 Peter 2.24 and they got their healing. From the story of another lady, the writer said 1 Peter 2.24 is not a promise but a statement of facts, something that had already happened. So this means we have already been healed, notwithstanding that we still feel the symptoms. We only need to accept the word of God concerning our healing and confess it. Redemptive rights, Ephesians 1, 6-7 We are redeemed from sin. We are redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 
We are redeemed from the authority of Satan and we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.13 The writer said for us to find out what the curse of the law is, then we have to read Deuteronomy 28 verse 15. Where the Bible lists all the causes of the law, including sickness and disease. And then Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It is something that happened in the past and not a future action. The Ministry of Reconciliation. The reference here is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. God has reconciled us to himself by Christ. And he has given to us the Ministry of Reconciliation. Every Christian has this ministry. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 tells us what the Ministry of Reconciliation is about. God was personally present in Jesus Christ, reconciling us to himself. He was not imputing our trespasses against us and he is still not doing so. Reconciliation does not just belong to us Christians who have accepted it. Reconciliation belongs to the world. This year is the ministry of reconciliation. This is what God wants us to tell the world. It's a terrible thing for a man to go to hell when his debt has already been paid. It's just like a suspect going to prison when he has been discharged and acquitted by the court. The fact that God is not holding man's trespass against him does not mean everyone will be saved. People will still need to confess the Lordship of Jesus and be born again. John 3.16 John 3.3-8 The gift of God is eternal life. All a man has to do is come and accept the gift. Scriptural healing. The writer is telling us here that 1 Peter 2.24 does not speak of spiritual healing. 1 Peter 2.24 Mark 5.34 In 1 Peter 2.24, the Greek word for healed means to heal or to make whole. The same thing with Mark 34. He said these words describe physical healing. The Bible did not in any way speak of our spirits being healed. Our spirit is born again. It is our body that needs healing and not our spirit. In him we are blessed. Text reference here is Ephesians 1 3. This is one of those in Christ's scripture that we should lay hold of. Ephesians 1 3 tells us that God has already blessed us with spiritual blessings. Everything we would need from when we got born again till we get to eternity has been provided for us by God. So everything we need, just take a minute and think about it. Ask yourself, what do you need to live a successful life? Everything you need, I mean everything. Scripture says God has provided them for us in Christ. Oh, what a loving father. It's just like someone telling you everything you need from KG1 in school to university has been provided. Your tuition fees, books, writing power, just name it. The only thing you need to do is to go to school. That's a sure wonderful news. This tells me that God has got me in his plan. But I will need to assess every of my blessings in Christ Jesus. So in God's mind, all things are mine. The writer is encouraging us today to find out what belongs to you in Christ. Find out what your rights and privileges are in Christ. They begin to confess, this is mine. That's me. This is what I have in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. These are the spiritual blessings I have in Christ. Glory. Chapter 3 Understanding righteousness. Our anchor scripture is still First Timothy six twelve. Remember, we are on a journey to understand the enemies to faith, and avoid them so that our faith can grow. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. 
I believe by now we have understood that our greatest enemy to faith is the lack of understanding of God's word. We have been saying that since the beginning of this book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So praying for faith is not the solution. The solution is to hear and keep hearing God's word. As soon as the light of God's word shines in our hearts, faith comes. Psalm 119 verse 130. When you have knowledge of God's word, you have faith. James 5, 16 to 18 is the test reference for understanding righteousness. This verse talks about the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Some translations will say it makes much power available. A lack of understanding of righteousness and its benefits keeps man in bondage than any other thing. Righteousness is one of the most misunderstood subjects in the Bible. Romans 10, 10. Romans 5.17 is our reference here. From these two scriptures, the writer made two significant statements. One, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Two, when we receive Jesus and become born again, we receive the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. Most times, righteousness is a gift. Most times, people think that righteousness comes as a result of our good works or right conduct. But all of our good works and right conduct cannot make us righteous, otherwise Christ would not have come. Another thing about righteousness is that we need to grow to some high spiritual states in order to be righteous. We fed until we are spiritually matured before our prayers can be answered. I believe most of us at one point in time have had this, this thought. But the writer said we can grow in the Lord and develop spiritually, but we can never grow in righteousness. Like, seriously? Okay. The writer said we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit, e.g. love, meekness, gentleness, joy, and the rest. But righteousness is a gift. He said you will never be any more righteous than you are right now. Hmm. He said you won't be any more righteous when you even get to heaven than you are right now. I just say that means all the righteousness we need to, so to say, we already have them when we go born again. This also means I am not more righteous than you, and you are no more righteous than me. We have the same gift of righteousness. I would love for us to talk more on the comment section. The writer said lack of righteousness almost hindered him, and he said what can hinder him can also hinder you because we are all humans. The writer said this lack of righteousness almost caused him to die prematurely. He told us how he would have died on his sickbed after the doctors had given up on him. He said he kept reading his Bible and that his spirit kept telling him that he won't die. Now he said our spirit knows much more than our head knows. That's if our spirit is born of God. He said he studied God's word with an open mind and that's when he read James 5. And he noticed James asked, is any sick among you? The writer said, if the church fully walked in the light of 1 Peter 24, there won't be any sick in the church. I believe that we would be doers of the word in every area of our lives. He said, when, we, when he read the part that you should call the elders to pray for you if you are sick, he said he cried because there was no one to call to pray for him. Then the Holy Spirit called his attention to where the verse said, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And the Holy Spirit told him, you can as well pray that prayer. The writer father said when he read that prayer, that the prayer of a righteous man, the devil tried to defeat him there because he lacked knowledge about righteousness.
and his benefits. The devil told him he was not righteous and he agreed because the devil knew he was ignorant in that area. You see, the devil knows when you have knowledge of God's word and he also knows when you are ignorant. That's why it is easy for him to take advantage of our ignorance. But the moment you, got, you get knowledge and apply it, you put the devil on the run like the writer said. The writer said he thought he was not righteous because he looked at himself from the physical standpoint and so he felt he was far from being righteous. Just the same way so many of us think of ourselves. So because the writer didn't understand righteousness nor his benefits, and he also agreed with the devil that he was not righteous, he tell the devil to rob him of his blessings. The writer said when he did a study of the book of James again, he saw that James called Elijah a righteous man, and Elijah was referred to a man of like passion with us. And while he did a study of Elijah, he said the more he... He studied of Elijah the more he was reminded of himself. James compared Elijah with himself and every other Christian. But the devil came up again to remind him that he was not righteous and even told him what he did wrong that day. The writer still looked up to Elijah. Elijah, even though he had great moments, still he had his own mistakes. He ran away from Jezebel. He told God to let him die, even though in his heart he didn't want to die. He told God that he was the only one remaining. Elijah was double, Elijah double talked. The bottom line here is Elijah, who was a righteous man, had his own flaws, his own mistakes, yet his prayer availed much. After checking up on Elijah, the writer wondered how James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could call Elijah a righteous man. <laughs> you see, this is because the writer was looking at Elijah from the physical standpoint. The writer said, if your ideas contradict God's word, you forget your ideas and take God's word. In the Old Testament, the blood of innocent animals was shed to cover the sins of the saints then. But wait, so how do you know an innocent animal? So with the blood of the animal covering their sin in the old testament whenever god looked at them he counted them righteous psalm 32 1 to 2 but thank god in the new testament our sins are not covered the blood of jesus did a total cleansing of all our sins you see it was a perfect job it was a complete job second corinthians 5 17 second corinthians 5 21 that explains why we are new creatures when we accept the life of christ romans 10 10 explains how we get righteousness. We believe unto righteousness because we believe on him who is our righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. That's what the writer said you cannot go in righteousness. It's a gift. Romans 5, 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and verse 21. In explaining this, the writer made mention of his Sunday school superintendent who was considered by his pastor to be the most spiritual. Kenneth Hagin said when he asked his son, the school guy, if he was righteous, the man said he was trying to be. But Kenneth Hagin was... But Kenneth Hagin um, went ahead to ask him, are you a man or a woman? And how did you know you were a man? And the guy said he knew because he was born that way. That's it. That's the way we too are righteous because we were born again. Now, sorry for the um, short um, break in transmission. The calls are coming in. Don't push, push relax. We'll get our um, review in just a few minutes' time. The Bible compares being a new creature to the innocence of a newborn babe. 
1 Peter 2 2. There's a similarity between spiritual growth and physical growth. Christians are born babes and they grow up the same way it happens in the physical. The writer said the newly born again Christians are as righteous as those older saints who have been Christians for long and can get their prayers answered the same way an older saint would. Our righteousness is not because of what we did or because of what Jesus did. Romans 3, 21 verse 26. Romans 5, 17 verse 21. The benefit of righteousness is that we reign in life here on earth. That's in Romans 5, 17. We can stand in the presence of God as though we had never done wrong. We can stand in the presence of God as though we had never sinned. We can stand in the presence of God without a sense of condemnation. Hebrews 4, 16. Righteousness also gives us authority over Satan. Knowing the truth in God's word gives us authority over Satan and his cohorts. Spiritual, th- spiritual things do not work automatically. Something can be yours spiritually, but if you don't know it, it won't profit you anything. It is acting upon the knowledge that produces results. Now, I'll give you a funny example here. We have a washing machine in my house that we bought since May last year. But up to now, we have not started to make use of it. The fact that the fact that the washing machine is my own will not make it work automatically. We would need to do the connection, and then I will need to put clothes inside before it can wash. Till now, we still wash our clothes the manual way. You see, the same thing happens to us with regards to our spiritual blessings. The Lord has made provision for our healing, but we can remain sick, and some even die with the sickness because they have refused to appropriate their healing blessings. There's a part we pay in receiving, we play in receiving the blessings of God. Knowing these truths will help us to stop running around to get someone to pray for us. Some people will say, Ah, that church they prophesy. The pastor they if they see where we there won't be any need for all these things if we know the truth and not on it. A minister or pastor or prophet does not have any better standing with God than you do. They are no more righteous than you. God will not hear him quicker than he will hear you. God doesn't love one member of the body of Christ more than the other. Some people may have learned how to take advantage of what belongs to them better than you, better than you have, but they are not more righteous than you. Some people feel that the sins they have committed, even while they are Christians, will come hunting after them. I was in this shoe many years ago. In fact, I was really haunted. The writer said Satan also used this to cheat him. But the answer to this is in 1 John 1 9. Scripture, John was addressing the believers and not sinners. 1 John 2 1 2. When a man sins, according to 1 John 1 9, forgives him and then cleanses him from his sin. The writer said since he got hold of this truth, the devil has been on the run in his life. Chapter 4, Understanding Our Legal Rights to the Name of Jesus. Scriptural references, 1 Timothy 6 to a fight the good fight of faith. Not understanding our legal rights to use the name of Jesus holds us in bondage and gives us a sense of weakness. The name of Jesus belongs to the church. Scriptural references, Hebrews 1, 3 to 7. Verse 4 of this text tells us that Jesus inherited his name and he inherited the name when he rose from the dead. Jesus was begotten of the Father when he was raised from the dead, at 13.33. It was after Jesus resurrected 
It was after Jesus' resurrection that God revealed that all authority in heaven and earth had been given unto Jesus. Another reference here is Ephesians 1, 19-23. The writer said we should take our time to meditate on these verses, think on them, feed on them, until they become a part of your inner consciousness. But that if we casually read them, they will be of no benefit to us. Philippians 2, 18-11 is another one. This scripture tells us the authority in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus belongs to the church. The name was invested with so much authority because of the church. Jesus has never and cannot make use of his own name. The name was given to the church to use. Scriptural references here are Hebrews 1, 4, Ephesians 1, 19 to 21, Philippians 2, 9 to 10, Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. All these scriptures shows us that the name of Jesus has been given to the church to use. Since the name of Jesus belongs to us, we need to know how to make use of the name. Here, he gave example of how we have sung songs that we are not scripture, that are not scriptural, and those songs have, have even hindered our faith because they are laced with unbelief. We need to stop and think about the effect the songs that we sing have on us spiritually. The trouble with us is that we follow blindly. Now, this song issue is a very strong one, but the writer is saying is true. I've had many, I've had my own personal experience on this area. I don't just sing songs because they mention Jesus or God inside. There has to be more for me in that because the Lord speaks to me too via songs, so I don't joke with the songs I sing at all. The writer said it's the same attitude we have with, we have used with reference to the name of Jesus. Some of us have thought that the name of Jesus is like a good luck charm. According to the writer, there are so many things in Christianity that we get to understand as we grow in Christ. The name of Jesus is yours, quite alright, but it will not work for you if you don't use it. Just like my washing machine is mine, but has never worked because I have never used it. God has made an investment with the name of Jesus for the church, but we have to make use of it. Philippians 4.19 Pray in Jesus' name. John 16.23-24 Jesus has said whatever we ask the Father in his name, he will do it. We have the right to use his name in prayer. In this scripture, the writer said there was no mention of faith or believing, meaning we don't need to we don't need faith to use the name of Jesus because it belongs to us. You don't need faith to use what belongs to you. First Corinthians three twenty one and twenty three. All things are yours, so we need to make use of what is ours. Test reference and example here is Luke fifteen eleven to thirty two, the prodigal son and his elder brother. The elder brother was offended that the father threw a big party for the prodigal son. For him that was that has been at home, the father has never done any such thing for him. And the father told him that all things were his. The writer said, let's take the prodigal son to be a backsliding Christian or sinner. And the father is God and the other brother is a Christian who has not strayed away. Most times we get offended that since we have been serving God, God will not answer our prayer. But someone that just got converted today, we make that same request to God and he will get answers. The writer gave example with two women who came to his service with different ailments and they got healed of their sicknesses. But a lady who had been sick in the church met the writer and complained that those ladies were not filled with the Holy Ghost and they don't even speak in tongues. But she that speaks in tongues and is filled with the Holy Ghost has not gotten her healing. The writer said he tried to explain what. <laughs> 
The writer said he tried to explain to her that God had healed her already, but she wouldn't take any of such. She thought that God didn't want to heal her. You see, some of us will now think God is partial, but what most of us are praying for is already ours. We just need to take hold of it through the name of Jesus. James 14, 12-14 According to the writer, we have used this verse in prayer, but they do not connect to prayer. In this verse, the Greek word for ask is demand. Jesus is saying here that we can use his name to demand anything against the enemy and circumstances. The writer said while John 14, 12-14 does not refer to prayer, John 16, 23 and 24 can be used in prayer. Acts 3, 1-9, according to the writer, most of the miracles performed by the apostles, they did not pray for them, they just used their authority in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 17-18, Jesus has given his name to those who believe, and not some set of believers, but all who believe in his name. According to the writer, some of us have touched that now and then, but none of us have been able to abide in it like God wants us to. Chapter 5, Understanding How to Act on God's Word. Our main test is still 1 Timothy 6, 12. When some people say, I'm going to fight the devil, or I'm going to fight sin, the writer said there's no need to fight the devil because Jesus had defeated him already. And there's no need to fight sin because Jesus has the cure for sin. By now, we have known the real enemy of our faith. It is not the devil. It is not sin or village people, nor is it your neighbor or your colleague at work or your business partner. And we have also learned that you don't pray to have faith, but faith comes by hearing the word of God. So if you want your faith to grow, keep hearing God's word. Some Christians struggle and try to believe God's word. But the writer said all that we need to do is act on what God says in his word. Act like the word of God is true. According to Raymond T. Ritchie, simply acting on God's word. Many times people substitute for mental assent or mental agreements. They substitute faith for mental assent or mental agreement. The writer said we can mentally agree that God's word is true and we will think we are exercising faith, but we are not. The word of God will become real to you only when you act upon it. And it is when you act upon God's word that you are exercising faith. The writer said in almost all the churches he pastored, there were one issues or the other, but whenever those issues arise and they ask him what to do, he tells them to act like the word of God is true. He gave us the story of what happened to his older brother and relatives, and how his older brother could not handle their relatives. But he told the brother that he was going to see their relatives by himself, and that he is going to act like the Bible is true. He said he lets the world fight his battles. He does not have any battle to fight. While he was to visit his relatives, he explained the impact of 1 John 4, 1-4 to his older brother, and he went to his relatives with that scripture in his heart, and he returned with victory. Casting your cares on the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7. The writer said he has cast all his cares on the Lord, and God is working on them. So let me ask, have you cast all your cares on the Lord, or you are there beating yourself on how he's going to solve the problem? The faith life live, Romans 1, 17. The just shall live by faith, and the faith work is the work God wants us to walk. 2 Corinthians 5-7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It's those who act on God's word that gets results. Your actions and your word must agree that you are a believer. You cannot talk faith and act otherwise. It will not be faith. 
Jeremiah 1 12. I will hasten my word to perform it. If we accept God's word and act on it, we can be certain that He is watching over His word to make it good in your life. The writer said we should learn the lessons of acting on God's word. It is not struggling or crying or fretting that will bring results, but acting on God's word. According to the writer, if you are associating with people, even though they are Christians, who are full of doubt and unbelief, it is easy for some of them to rub off on you. And if you are not careful, you will unconsciously pick up some of their statements and attitude. The writer told us a story of what happened in his life one time when he was out preaching. He said his wife wrote him a letter of how his two kids were sick and how their finance was low. The writer said he took the letter to um, the altar, knelt down and read it out to the Lord. He was determined to pray his way through until God answered him. He prayed for about four hours, but the more he prayed, the more he felt weary and heavy. He said he told himself that if the other Christians he worked with prayed through their circumstances and got results, he too must get results. Alas, he didn't get any results until he brought his mind to a state of quiet and he heard God speak to him. When God asked him, then God asked him what he was doing at the altar. He angrily spoke to God that he was that he read a letter to him but no response. I think God asked him about three times or so what he was doing there. The writer said he told God he was not going to read the letter again. In fact, all I could see from the writer's response to God was anger and frustration. Has this ever happened to you? It has happened to me and I was angry at God <laughs> at that time that I stopped praying and studying my Bible. Very funny. <laughs> When the writer finally calmed himself down to listen to God again, he told God he came to pray through. And the Lord asked him, what do you mean by praying through? In answering God, the writer noticed he did what he was doing. He just saw some set of persons doing it and he decided to follow suit. He said he thought he would pray until he had some kind of feeling or witness that his children were okay. And the Lord asked him, is my word not sufficient for you? And he responded in the positive. Then the Lord told him that he was not acting like his word is sufficient. The Lord told him that he was acting as if praying long and loud was going to do the job. The writer said then he saw that, oh, he has been running with unbelieving Christians so long that it has rubbed off on him. He had picked up some of their habits and speech and there he prayed for forgiveness and decided to rest on God's word and act on his word. And the next morning he got another letter from his wife that his children were okay. He also told us about a nagging wife, how she kept nagging at her husband to go to church. But when she decided to act on God's word, she stopped nagging and with time the husband changed. If Satan can hold you in the arena of reason in your mind, he will defeat you every time. But if you hold him in the arena of faith, you will defeat him all the time. No matter how long it takes for you to get results, maintain your faith and stick to the word. He spoke about how he prayed for his brother for 15 years to get born again and he later realized he was doing it the wrong way and then he decided to rest on God and use his authority in the name of Jesus and his brother got saved. Chapter 6, Understanding Our Confection. Some persons think that it would have been easier for them to get their miracle if they lived in the days of Jesus but the writer said it would not have been that easy. He gave us Mark 5.34 as an instance, the woman with the issue of blood. Looking at Jesus' comments, it was her faith that made her whole, and not someone else's faith. The writer gave us a vivid picture of the obstacles the woman had to overcome for her to receive her healing, and also compared it with the church system today. 
It is easy for Christians to believe God when they are newborn babes in the faith than when they have been Christians for years. Unfortunately, it is a sad one. Many fail in receiving from God because they do not understand what the Bible says about confession. When we talk about confession, people think of confessing sin or failure. But the writer is talking about positive confession, Romans 10, 9 and 10. No man gets saved until he confesses that he is saved. The writer gave us a story of how he literally forced one man to confess that he was saved. Quite a funny story. Faith confession creates reality. When you make a positive confession of faith, it creates reality in your life. Many people struggle because instead of being on the positive side of confession, they are on the negative side. Our faith keeps pace with our confession. If we confess negative, we, we destroy faith. If you need healing, boldly make a confession that your diseases were laid on Jesus. Then hold fast to that confession. That is where the fight of faith comes in. Hebrews 4.14 Our confessions rule us. If you are not satisfied with what you, are, what you have, what you have change what you are saying when we make negative confessions and talk about the devil we are glorifying the devil but when we talk positive and brag about god we are glorifying god he gave us a story of a rich man who was unconscious and after he was prayed for and he got well the wife told the pastors to keep praying for them because the devil may come back fear opens the door for the devil the bible instructs us to resist the devil and he will flee from us Find out what belongs to you and rise up and walk in the light of what is yours. They become real to you by believing them in your heart and confessing them with your mouth. If Jesus is not sick, then you shouldn't be sick. If Jesus cannot be broke, then you shouldn't be broke. Let's get hold of what the Bible says concerning us and confess them to reality. Alright, this is the much we can take. That is all about the book. I trust you followed intensely and you were blessed. Like I said, it was a long ride. So what was your favorite chapter? And do you have any testimony of how your faith has produced results? See you in the comment section. Okay, so let me apologize for um, coming in very late. I had some calls while I was already recording. I had to pick the call and start afresh again. I really apologize. Bye.